0: Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, yeah, chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I want to pick up where we left off last week, but before I do, I want to do something fun. Um, We, on our live stream, we have our missionaries overseas that watch every Sunday uh, and enjoy being with us uh, online on our uh, YouTube channel or whatever that channel is. Uh, We also have... um, Mike Fortner, who's halfway around the world. So can everybody say hi, Mike, with me? Hi, Mike. All right. Uh, Mike will be listening live, hopefully now, due to the wonders of modern technology, or listening uh, to the recording later. Uh, but anyway, we love all of our folks that travel abroad and uh, and all of our missionary contacts overseas. All right, let's let, let's look again at Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. Uh, this was our th- a theme verse for this series called Epic, and I want to pick up where we left off last Sunday. Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. For we are his workmanship, that is the Lord's workmanship. We're created, the Bible says, in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Last week, I started off this series on Epic by simply telling all of you that God has an amazing poem or story that he wants to write through each one of us. And we highlighted in a very, very important fact, I love to, to, to celebrate God in this way because it's foundational to everything that we are, uh, and, every, and it's foundational to a good worldview. And that's the fact that this, you're not here by accident, you're not here by evolution, that those are incredible lies from the pit of hell. You are here by virtue of a creator, God, who fashioned you as a masterpiece, That truth right there is mega big humongous because it means that your life has meaning. There are lots of people today that are fashionably running about being atheists and thinking that's really cool. Let me just help you all out. That is really stupid because as soon as you reject God, you reject yourself. You reject the foundation for, for truth. You reject the foundation for meaning. You basically launch yourself into a world that is meaningless and into a life that is purposeless. That is really stupid. You know why that's stupid? Because everything in you lives for meaning and purpose and direction. There's not a, purpose, there's not a person in this room who doesn't want to get out of bed in the morning and know that your life matters. Am I talking to the right crowd? Otherwise, we would be like tadpoles in a pool, uh, wiggling our tails around and not really caring about much of anything. But you're not that way. You're not a dog that just wants to be scratched and have his belly full. You're a human being who's made in the image and likeness of God. And you have a divine destiny and purpose and a story that God is writing through your life. This is good news. Every story has to have an author. And if there is no author, this story called life Is going to end really tragically. It's going to be meaningless at the end. The good news is every story has an author. Your story has an author. You know, Mark Twain said this one time, and it's a great quote. He said, The two most important days of your life are the day that you're born and the day that you find out why. The day that you're born is really, really important. It means you have existence, it means that you're here. Welcome to the party. But how many of you know the second question follows? Why am I here? You know, last night I was enjoying this beautiful weather like I'm sure you have been, isn't it? You know, Indiana, we get a lot of, you know, whiners and complainers, especially when February comes around and it's still cold. But how many of you know this is pretty stinking awesome right now? And I was sitting out on my back porch last night, and I was doing something that I taught you to do last Sunday. I was looking up at the stars. Why was I looking up at the stars? Because you know what? If you're not really impressed with the author, you're not going to really be that willing to allow him to write your story. But if you're incredibly impressed with the author, you'll just say, Lord, here I am. I'm a canvas. Write your story because you're awesome. I wanted last week to magnify the greatness of our God. And I shared that just over our heads every single day, there's over 100 billion stars over our heads. And it's just in this little galaxy called the Milky Way, which is just the run-of-the-mill galaxy of about, other, about a million other galaxies of the same size that we know of. And we shared last week, well, what's the big deal about that, that many stars? The big deal is this, God created them all and he orders them all and he names them, and the stars are named by God. We shared if you took a handful of sand, that's about 10,000 grains of sand per handful, roughly, and if you looked at all the sand on all the beaches of, of the world, you would roughly have the number of stars that God has created. That's staggering, and God knows them all by name, and the good news is stars are not as important as you. Stars are just material things created that God created, but you share a greater glory. And if God knows stars by name, what does that say about our value? And I was sitting there last night looking up at just the few stars that I could see with these eyes and realizing the magnitude and the immensity of the story in which we've been written into by the Lord and realizing that if God knows all about all of that, I felt really small. You know, it's good to feel small. We live in a a, in a country that really wants everybody to feel so big. I, I don't like feeling big. I like to know my place. I like to feel small. Not just insignificantly small, but amazingly significant in the smallness of how great God is. And how great the story is. And how great of a creator he is. And we were highlighting all these things last week. And we get to the second part of this story today. Because if there's a creator and we're a masterpiece. And let me just pause right here. You know. I shared with you, let's just reject all this sloppy, cheap, you know, your special talk that's not rooted in truth. You know, quite frankly, apart from the truth, you're not all that special. You're messed up like everybody else. That was kind of a joke, but it's a painful joke. I mean, apart from Jesus, we're all pretty messed up, so there's nothing all that special, but here's the deal. You're special because literally speaking, there is only one you and there will only ever be one you. And we talked about how down to the the minutest part of your DNA, how detailed you are. I think we said 4,000 Bibles is what it would take just to write out your genetic code. 4,000 Bibles stacked on top of each other. That's just how to describe you in writing. We said if we wanted to read you it would take a century just to read one of your double helixes per day, all right? One double helix per day would take a century to read you. Now, here's a question anybody with a brain asks. Where did all that intelligence come from? It did not evolve by accidental processes. That's stupid. There's too much intelligence there. There's too much information there for you to be anything but a masterpiece. And so here, okay, It's all good up to now, but here's the rub. If everything that I just said is true, there's only one response. And the psalmist gave it last week in Psalm 139. He said this, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm a masterpiece. Here's what he said. Thank you. The biggest change in a person's story comes when we acknowledge that we're not here by accident, that we're here by design that our life does not belong to ourselves, that we have a story that we're a part of. And hear me, the first response to the great breakthrough of your life becoming an epic life is when you recognize there's an amazing God who loves you, who knows you, who created you, who designed you, and you pause, and here's what you do. Thank you. The first chapter in your story or my story starts with worship. It starts with acknowledging that your life is not your own. And then it gets to be really exciting because the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, we're created by God, we're His workmanship, but we're created in Christ Jesus for. And I circle that word for in my Bible because for points to a purpose that's greater than ourselves. There is a unique calling that God has written into our lives. This is why, do you know that one of the, the most foolish things we can do is to try to pattern my life after one of your lives or your life after your neighbor or try to be somebody that you were never created to be. You're the only you that there ever is going to be. In, in the most unique sense, I could say this, there is only one of you. And let me just bring it into context. There's only one of you now on planet earth. Do you not think that God ordained your life to be a unique expression uh, through who he made you to be, your gifts, your abilities, your passions, your pains, that God designed you uniquely to be an expression of something he wants to say in this generation, something he wants to do in this generation? It's really pretty staggering to think about this. Now, I wanna talk about three dimensions of calling this morning, and then we're gonna leave some plenty of time at the end for a response because I believe that the word of God demands a response from us. So let me give you three aspects of our our calling in Christ this morning. First of all, how many know we're called by him. Called by him. In Jesus' time uh, during the rabbinical schools of his day, if you wanted to be a disciple of a leader, you would go to that leader, you would join their school and you would sit under their teaching and you would be a disciple of so-and-so. In other words, you made the choice, you figured out who you wanted to follow and you sat under their teaching. How many of you realize Jesus never did that? Jesus never let folks uh, follow him by invitation. Jesus chose people to be his disciples. You all know the difference. in other words, Jesus would go up to people, especially that the night after he prayed all night. He says he chose his twelve to follow him and to be with him. He chose them he He went out and invited them. He reached out and said. Follow me. In fact, that was the one, as you look through the gospel, isn't that how Jesus picked his twelve? He'd go up to them and say, follow me. And guess what they did? They dropped their nets, they dropped everything. I just want to remind you that the gospel is very much God-centered. If you are hearing preaching or teaching that begins with you and ends with you, and you're the, and you're the, the pin that holds it all together, uh, you're not listening to Bible teaching. If you're listening to teaching or you're hearing me this morning saying you're special, you're wonderful, and and God exists to make your life a success, you're not hearing me correctly. You don't exist so God can make your life great. You exist so that you can give glory to God and your life can be a reflection of something bigger than yourself. God doesn't exist for you. You exist for him. This is really huge. This is not about, God, if I make this deal with you, will you help me get a raise? God, if I make this deal with you, will you make my life relatively comfortable? God, will I live happily ever after? Listen, all those things are true. God heals, God saves, God delivers, God blesses, God prospers, God raises up. But it's all in the context of you living your story inside his greater story. The story is his story. It's just that we have been invited to be a part of it. God has called you. I'm going to drive this point home a little harder this morning because it should hit us right between the heart uh, uh, beat, heartbeats, all right? Boom, right there in the heart. This is John chapter 15, verse 16, and I want you to feel the weight of this. Jesus speaking, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I don't know how people screw that verse up. You didn't choose me, the Lord speaking. I chose you. Can you let the weight of this land on you just for a moment? If you're here today loving God, it's because in the heart of God, something radical happened. God set his affection on you when you were miles away from him. God orchestrated your life to bring you to a place where he could take the blinders off of your eyes and you could see how desperately you needed Jesus Christ. God chose you. Say that with me. God chose me. Say it again. God chose me. Say it again. God chose me. Now let me ask you another question that should follow. Why me? Have any of you ever let that one sink in? If you're here today loving Jesus, it's because God reached out and sovereignly grabbed a hold of you and revealed Christ to you. Your response, your kiss back, your saying yes to the Lord was after God's, a whole lot of activity on God's part, which is why new birth, being born again is a miracle. Nobody gets saved apart from God doing a miracle in your life. Here's the question, why me? Who am I? Why am I here this morning? Why am I here in Christ Jesus? Why am I here loving the Lord? Why why was I born in the family I was born in? Why all those circumstances in my life? Why, 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 why? You know why God did this? The Bible says so that we wouldn't rejoice in ourselves, our own doing, but that we would celebrate and and worship God for his mercy and his grace in our lives. If God chose you this morning, how many of you have given your life to Christ? You're born again. You love the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? Have any of you ever paused long enough to say, Lord, why did you go through all that trouble for me? And how about this question? What's the story, God, that you're trying to write through my life? Because how many of you know there's not an author in the world that sits down to write something that doesn't have a message that they're trying to communicate? Some of you need to hear this this morning because you think my life is a stinking accident. I have made such a wreck out of my life. I can't make any sense out of my life. Listen to me. If you'll submit your life to the author and put the pen back in his hands, I guarantee he can turn something amazing out of whatever chapters you really messed up. He can, he can write some new stuff that, you, that will leave you going, wow, because listen, he's really smart. He knows the names of stars and he tells them how to go and how to, how to go around. He's really smart, trust me on this. But he's not only smart, he's incredibly kind and loving. In fact, look what the Bible says in Isaiah. This is an amazing passage too. The whole Bible, amazing. Isaiah 43, verse 1. What I want you to see is that the call of God on your life is intensely personal and unique because he calls us by name. Isaiah 43, verse 1. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have purchased you back to myself. I have called you by name. You are mine. How many of you know the very act of calling is an act of naming? When God calls you, He names you. A name is where we get our identity. A name determines who we are. I was reading an amazing story just in preparation for this. I just stumbled upon it in my quiet time. And uh, and God knows I need all the help I can get in my sermon, so I was overcome by the presence of the Lord, just like it was this little kiss from heaven, because I was preparing for this, and my devotional time matched up perfectly with what God wanted to share with you this morning. Some of you know Heidi Baker. She's an amazing lady, missionary to Mozambique. Uh, She and her husband, Roland, have done an amazing job of just loving a nation to life. And she tells the story one day. She was out and about doing what she does Uh, going into villages where there's lots of poor people that have never heard about Jesus before. And she went up to this precious lady, skinny as a bone. You can tell she had not been fed well. Her clothes uh, revealed that she was living in abject poverty. Uh, And as Heidi got closer to this woman, uh, the Lord, she was on her way to a meeting. She was in a hurry, but the Lord said, no, 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 you go love that lady right there. Don't you love it when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and interrupts our schedules? So she goes up to this precious lady and... um, she notices that as she's talking to this lady, the lady's not looking. The reason she's not looking is because she's blind. Her eyes are covered with milky cataracts she can't see. And so here's a blind lady, side of the road, uh, you know, starving, uh, thread-worn clothes, threadbare clothes. And Heidi goes up to this woman, and what is the first thing we say when we come up to a stranger? What's your name? Hi, I'm Ron. What's your name? We ask names because names are important. Names reveal something about a person. And this woman shared something that just broke my heart. I can't imagine that there's people like this in the world. She said, I have no name. I cannot imagine being born into a world where your world is so broken that your parents are not even around to name you. I can't imagine what it would be like Going my whole life, becoming an older person like this woman was, and never, ever hearing anybody call you by name. Heidi held her in her arms, and she said, well, I'm going to name you. And in the lady's language, she said, I'm going to name you, you are, you exist, you belong, you're here, you are, you have been. And when Heidi named this woman, she started manifesting joy, like exploding out of her heart and laughing and crying and everything mixed together. And here's the cool things, because when God names us, it, it, the naming of us speaks a lot of things. It speaks that we have value. It speaks that we have identity. I mean, you know, as a parent, one of the things you struggle with and you labor over is coming up with just the right name. Who is this baby? Who is this child? What is the name going to be? And when the child comes out, the last thing that you want to have said about you is, oh, we don't have a name yet, all right? How many, anybody, you ever been there? We don't have a name yet. Because we know how important it is to call that child my name. As Heidi loved this lady and named her, the lady started squealing with joy because God not only gave her a name <laughs> through one of his servants, but the milkiness over her eyes disappeared and the lady could see for the first time, and God only knows how long. You know, there's something about finding our identity in God, which opens our eyes to understand the purpose for which God created us. And until you're doing a great job, by the way, you know, I just have to have you stand up here. See what's happening right now. This will never happen when we get that done because... This dear lady is trying to be a super mom and the only way out of this sanctuary... Oh, you're an aunt? Okay, well, you're doing a great job. The only way out of this sanctuary... Oh, the mom's pregnant. Okay, well, that's good. Good job. Keep going. Yeah, so you get all the dirty work. This poor lady has to walk right through the front and she's like, oh God, I don't want to do this. You're not bothering me, by the way. But anyway, this is part of why we're changing all that. So dear ladies like this will not have to do this. They're going to go right off into the children's wing. (laughs) Everybody's going to be happy. All right, you can keep going. You guys are doing great. All right. Any of you have to go potty right now. I'm giving you permission, all right? Right out of here. All right. You won't bother me at all. All right, we're talking about your name. Isn't it awesome that God knows your name? Here's the question. Do you know your name? Because your name is an indication of a destiny that's over your life. Your name is part of who you are. Your name is part of what God has called you to do. And God, the Bible says, calls us by name, which is awesome. God is the one who's called us and he's calling us into something awesome. But let me lead to the second point here. We're called to him, all right? We're called to him. In other words, you're not called to a job description. This is awesome. Sometimes we get this idea that, man, okay, God saved me and and now I got to live the rest of my life doing great things for God. And I guess we just signed up for this job description. You know, Jerry shared Jerry Harvey, he shared how he was, had a wrong relationship with the church. He, he found his identity in work, 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 work for the church. Here, this is liberating. God calls you primarily for one thing. He calls you into relationship with himself. God's after you. He's not after what you can do. I mean, you know, everything of what we do comes out of this relationship that we have with him. In fact, if you don't have a relationship with God, but you try to do good things, you're going to burn yourself out, you're going to get very frustrated and very tired. And I'll just say this, you're going to get very sick of people. But if you understand that you're called primarily to relationship and not to a job description, you're called to be a human being and not a human doing. You're called to be somebody in Christ. You're called to have a relationship with God. That that's the primary thing that he's called you to. I mean, you know, we're, he's going to spend eternity with us because he likes us because he's crazy about us. He loves us. He loves you. You're special to him, but it's all about relationship. I want you to, I want to highlight this in a couple of places in scripture just so you see it. We're called to him. Look at the words here in Romans chapter one, verse six. uh, And you are included, talking about us, among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're struggling and wondering, you know, where do I fit? Where do I belong? I'm telling you, you belong in the body of Christ. You belong in the family of God. You belong in relationship with Jesus who loves you and gave himself for you. You're called to belong. You're called to feel at home. You're called to find your tribe and to fit in. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful. I'm reading from the Amplified. He's reliable. He's trustworthy and ever true to his promise. He can be dependent on. And through him, look what the Bible says, you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I just want to share this, that you know, there's people, for instance, that chase, chase happiness, all right? I'm just trying to be happy. I want to be happy. I want to be happy. How many of you have figured out if you live for happiness, you will never find it. It's like chasing a butterfly. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you make happiness your goal, you'll look for it in all different ways, all different things. You'll never attain the goal. But check this out. If you make knowing Christ, loving Christ, yielding to Christ your goal, how many of you know your destiny will take care of itself? If you pursue the destiny and you ask Christ to bless it, you'll miss it, you'll miss out on everything. But if you live in relationship with Jesus and you pursue the Lord, your destiny will take care of itself because it's an overflow of your calling to Christ Jesus. Does this make sense to everybody? Don't pursue even good things apart from Jesus. The byproduct, the story is a byproduct of our relationship with Him. Which leads me to my last point this morning we're called for him. We've been saved for him and for his purposes, and it's about his story. Look at, look at Jeremiah chapter 1, another stunning passage. God speaks these amazing words to his precious son, Jeremiah. These are the same principles that are over our life. Jeremiah 1.5, God says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. This is incredible. You know, I'm not, you guys all know, I'm not a construction person, so everything happening out here in the parking lot is a sign and a wonder to me. I watch the steel go up. I'm like, how do they know where to put that steel? In fact, I asked the guy, because I do ask a lot of questions. I asked the superintendent, okay, you have poured all this concrete, and you have these bolts sticking out of the ground. How do we know that the steel is going to perfectly match the bolts so that when this thing gets erected, it's all going to go together, and all the nuts and bolts are going to go together? And here's the amazing thing. Are you ready for this? Before it was formed, it was known in the mind of its creator. Somebody designed all of that. Aren't you grateful? It's not evolving. We're not living in an evolving building project. Every bit of that was was. Uh, known in the mind of the creator before it ever took shape. But here's what I get amazed of. They'll lift that girder up there. They'll put it in place and they'll go to put that crossbeam in and it fits. They put the little bolts on. See, these were all kids. When they, when those guys were young, I know what they were doing. They were doing those little erector set things. They were building models. They were like, yeah, I know that it was an indication of their destiny. Now they're building big stuff with big nuts and bolts. It's amazing. But here's the deal. Can you imagine what it's like? I'm going to bring it home. You were known by God before you ever took a breath. God knew you inside and out, shaped you, designed you. God God has a dream for your life, a story over your life that he's writing right now. Think about this. Before you even sucked your first bit of oxygen, before there was even conception, and you came on, on the scene, God knew you. This means that you don't try to find your purpose out there somewhere. It means you already have been assigned one. It means your worth isn't determined by what you do. Your value comes in in God's knowledge of you, His intimate knowledge of you. Check this out. This is amazing. God says, I knew you. God says, I formed you. Check out what comes next. It's incredible. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. He was known and then he's formed and then the destiny actually predates your walking it out. This is incredible. Some of you have wondered, you know, can God really do anything through me? Is my story all that exciting? Your story is amazing if you'll yield to the one who wrote it. Your life is amazing if you'll trust the author and trust the way that he's writing the story. God has Things for you. God has set you and I apart with a unique calling and destiny that He's placed on us. Look at 2 Timothy 1 9. He delivered us and saved us and called us with a holy calling. A calling that leads to a consecrated life, a life set apart, a life of purpose. Not because of our works or because of any personal merit we could do, nothing to earn this thing, but because of His own purpose and grace, His amazing undeserved favor which was granted to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. This is stunning, the greatness of God. Right now, if you have submitted your life to Christ, you're living under a banner of God's favor and blessing and calling and purpose. Here's what I was doing last night. I'm sitting out under the stars, and because of the greatness of God, what is awakening in my heart is a hunger to know him more, a passion to have more of his presence, a desire to see more of his story written out in my life. It's awakening in my heart. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? In other words, if you're in Christ Jesus, you didn't just stumble on this like a blind squirrel finding a nut somewhere along the way. God shaped you, called you, knew you, formed you for now in a way that only your life can be an expression of his glory, How many of you don't want to miss that life, miss that purpose, uh, misuse that calling, because it's actually pretty incredibly awesome? The Bible says this, Romans chapter 8, 28 and 29. Uh, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. Notice that, called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance. God chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. If you are part of those known by God, those who love God, God is working out even some of the chapters in your life where you took the pen out of his hand and you felt like you messed everything up. Listen, you didn't mess it up. Yield to God. Your life has not been put on a shelf. Your book is not unfinished. God did not say, forget it. I'm not writing the end of the story. God never will quit on you. He will work everything out for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. Am I speaking to the right crowd on here today? Now, I'm going to end with one last thing. In fact, let's get our worship team back up here and we're going to respond to the word of the Lord. What's really cool about the call of God is not I don't want to use the metaphor of like a phone, like somebody calls you up, maybe God calls you on your iPhone, your phone starts ringing, and you pick it up, and you look at it, and you go, okay, do I want to take that call right now? God, you know, like Jerry Harvey was sharing, Lord, I don't know if I'm really ready for you to deal with my my life, take all my life, I don't know if I want you to write my story. So we pick up our cell phone, and we decide, ah, later, all right, we put it down. That's not how the call of God works. Many people resist God's God's leadings, God's God's chasing them down throughout their lives. There's times where we resist that. But how many of you know when God ultimately calls you, you can't resist him? Let me give you what the call of God is like. Let's pretend like Larry is sleeping right now. And I come up to Larry. Larry's, Larry's out cold. I get one foot away from Larry's ear. I won't do this, but I say, wake up! Larry doesn't lay there in bed and go, Okay pastor just yelled, wake up, in my ear. Do I want to wake up, or do I not want to wake up? No, Larry is now awakened, because Larry had no choice. My kids were walking home last night from a youth event, and I was sitting on the back porch enjoying God, and I heard my daughters talking, so I did what every good dad would do to his daughters. I hid behind a shrub, and, uh, and when they got within jumping distance, I scare the daylights out of them. This is how dads get back at their kids, all right? And they were like, no, I wish I could have filmed it. They they had weird contortions and stuff like that. It was awesome. But here's the deal. When I showed up and went, what? They didn't process anything. They had an instant reaction. They freaked out. Listen, when God speaks, when God says, wake up, you know what dead people do? They respond. I want you to hear this. The call of God on your life with the call, with the wake up or the whatever he's called, gives God has the power to name it and call it and the very act of naming and calling creates what he is calling you into. I wanna, some of this is going to help you. The Bible says this. Not many of you were smart when God called you. Not many of you were loaded with money when God called you. Not many of you were talented. Not many of you were in the top 10 popularity or whatever. God says, but I chose the foolish things to confound the wise. I chose the weak things to confound the strong. Here's my point. When God calls us into something amazing together and individually, don't look at how you see yourself because when God speaks and declares that over your life, the very word of God creates supernaturally in you the power to become who God sees you to be and calls you to be. That's the nature of the divine call of God. When God says, wake up, you have have no choice but to wake up when God says to Jeremiah I knew you in your mother's womb I have set you apart I have called you to be a prophet to the nation oh uh-uh, but god I'm this I'm that be quiet the call of God on your life overcomes all of your natural inadequacies so that God gets the glory in everything Some of you need to hear God speak in fresh ways. Some of you need to encounter God's voice in fresh ways. Some of you need to stop listening to who the enemy keeps talking and saying is who you are, what you can and can't do. Why don't you start listening to the voice of the author? Why don't you start listening to your name? Why don't you start hearing what God has spoken over your life and believe that his words are all the words that matter, that the author's words who spoke all of this into existence when it existed in his mind alone beforehand that that same God who said, let there be light and called light out of darkness is the same God who saves you, who knows you, who loves you, who cherishes you, who wants to engage you and who has uniquely written your life for such a time as this to be an expression of his greatness and a demonstration of his glory. That's God. That's the author. (laughs) When God tells you something to do, something to obey, understand that the voice of God carries the power of God to make what God asks you to do an absolute reality. Yeah. I just tell you this: when I sit out and I look at all this taking place here, I think of the expansion. I think of what's going on. So I say, Pastor, do you does it ever burden you? Are, are you ever burdened? Let me just tell you: I am not burdened. I've already seen the building. Pastor, does it ever worry you America is going to come on a bad economic turn and the economy is going to... I'm not looking at economies. I know what God has spoken. I know what God has put in our hearts to do. I know the call of God. When God called me to run for office, I don't know anything about running for office. He called me to talk about this, or that. I don't know anything about that. The call of God equips you to do what he's called you to do. Are you willing to submit... And to hear in a fresh way the call of God on your life. Because here's the word for this week. You're like an arrow in the hands of the Lord and the archer. How many of you know an arrow cannot determine its own destiny? It has to yield to the hand of the one holding the bow. You're an arrow in the hands of the Lord. God's trying to launch you into places that would blow your mind if you could see it all right now. God, some of you are, have breakthrough that God's wanting to release. Listen. You trust that the Lord can take you. He fashioned you. He made you. He knows the target for your life. And then if you let him launch you, you'll reach your destination. What do you do? You yield to God. What do you do? You trust the Lord. What do you do? You realize he knows me by name and knew my life from before I was ever born. And he has a plan and a purpose for my life. I yield to the purposes of God for my life. And I want to end this service today. I really believe God's calling us into a fresh season of yieldedness. Some of you feel like your chapter's stuck. It's not you're, you're in the same chapter. It just keeps going over and over again. Some of you in this room really believe that you've messed up your life so much that God just gave up on you and you're not a masterpiece anymore. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Some of you, what God's after right now in your life is a fresh sense of yielding to him. And we want to give you a chance to do that. We're just going to spend the remaining time that we have in the presence of the Lord, just saying, Lord, I choose to recognize you as my creator and to give you thanks. And now, Lord, I'm yielding to the story that you want to write in my life and through my life. I'm yielding to you. I'm just saying, take my life joyfully. Lord, take my life. I want more. So we're going to open the altars right now. If God is speaking to you this morning about a fresh season of yielding, I just want you to join us. We're going to go after God and give ourselves to him in a fresh way.